So uh, valued watchers slash listeners, you probably noticed we were not around last week. We didn't have a new show, but we are back this week. We'll see how long we stick around uh, for reasons <laughs> that'll become clear shortly. But uh, yeah, Angelica, you have COVID. The Rona finally got me after three years. I'm just looking at this and I, if you're not watching us and you're just listening, uh, I'm so happy for you for not having to look. I look like a pile of garbage right now, but um, I'm guessing it's going to be worse in the next couple of days because I just tested positive this morning. And I'm starting husband, to feel like crap, though. Your husband's already going through the tough stuff, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. he uh, He's been in the basement for two days, and he sounds like he's like a tuberculosis patient. I mean, his coughing, no smell, no taste, you know, the huge. But we haven't had it. I mean, we've tested ourselves every time we've gotten sick since COVID started, and we've never tested positive. So, yeah, like I feel like I've had illnesses that I thought could be COVID, but I always tested negative. So it's almost like a weird disappointment when you do test negative. Yeah, you just want to get it over with. Yeah, you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop sometimes with us. But so you were telling me how did how did you realize he had COVID? He was sick Friday, and yesterday morning he said. weird. I just had some of those almonds and they have like a spicy salt on them and I couldn't taste them. And I thought, oh my gosh, did you test yourself for COVID? We haven't tested you for COVID. You definitely have COVID if you can't taste that. And of course he was positive. I tested, I was negative, but this morning I tested positive. He did say last night, this is, this just feels like the worst cold I've ever had in my life. Yeah. So it definitely escalated to the point where he was like, oh, this makes total sense. This is not like anything I've ever had to deal with before. Yikes. So, so, so hopefully, you know, you'll be a light case. Yeah. We can get back to this next week. We're doing it a day early just because I mean, anticipating you're going to be in the dump tomorrow. Yeah. I'm trying to get Paxlovid. I don't know if I qualify, but we'll see. And you have been working your butt off. Yeah. So we missed last week's show because I was broadcasting the state basketball tournament from the Tacoma Dome. So we did 60 games over four days um on two different courts and i was in charge of like the production side of all of it and so i had two days of setup four days of tournament one day of tear down go home so i worked over seven days i worked 91 hours including 17 hours on saturday i did 7 a.m to 1 a.m how did you do that stretch you just did it it was hard i mean i i took one significant break i took a 90 minute break for lunch i met my friend who lives up there but the rest i was just all on site just trying to pace myself a little bit you know like sit down when i need to that sort of thing i did so the setup was the hardest part because it was just me and one other guy because our third guy called in sick so normally on a professional production it'll be you know a dozen guys and we just don't have the budget for that so it's just me and one other guy and uh you know how your phone tracks your steps i did nineteen thousand steps on tuesday Whoa. And that doesn't even include the going up and down the bleachers, you know, into the stands to set up the cameras up high right. over and over and over. Right. And over, and over. right. So I'm shocked yeah. you didn't get sick. Yeah, I didn't feel my best. Uh, I'll be honest with you. And then I took a the day I got home, I took a three hour nap. And, you know, it's taken me a week to fully recover, I'd say. Do you have to do that again next year? Is this like a regular thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I will hope to do it again next year, but I hope yeah. it's going to be different. We're trying to build it. This is a long story, but I'm working with the WIA, which is the overlooks overseas high school athletics in Washington. And we're trying to get it so students from all over the state come and then 
there's adult mentors like me overseeing it all, but they're doing all the work and we're getting them in and out of shifts. This year we had about half as many kids as we need to realistically do it. So we were just stretched really thin. So hopefully yeah. next year when I do it, it'll be a lot easier because then I can take hours off at a time because it'll be a you know fully functional thing. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. you guys killed it regardless of how tired you are. Yeah. They said the before the championship games even started, they said we had 150,000 unique device views, which translates to over 300,000 views. So that's pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah. Good I don't get paid any that's extra awesome. for doing this either, by the way. So yeah. Well, you get a pat on the back for me. No, thanks. thanks. <laughs> Please do it remotely because you have COVID. Welcome to Film Swap, the podcast where we challenge each other to watch the movies that we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reasons. I'm Nick Bull. And I'm Angelica Thornton. And today we're talking about Inception. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams? Mr. Carl has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. What kind of work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not, strictly speaking, legal. Oh boy, Inception. This movie came out in 2010. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard, Elliot Page, Tom Hardy, Killian River, a whole bunch of Michael Caine. It's a huge cast. It was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It's about a professional thief played by Leo who steals information by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets. He's offered a chance to have his criminal record expunged if he pulls off a job where he plants an idea or does Inception in someone's head. It's a very complicated movie. I've seen it now three times. I do believe I understand it. I'm curious to hear what you think um, about this movie. Um, it cost quite a bit of money to make, but it also made a lot. $160 million to make, $836 worldwide. Uh, Angelica, why had you not seen this movie yet? I don't know. I guess I'm lazy and I didn't want to deal with it because I knew it, <laughs> I knew it was work. Um, to think about. I have no idea why I didn't see it. It was sort of like, it, this is one of those movies where you have to be in the right place at the right time to watch it. Um, and so a warning, today's podcast is probably going to be Nick explaining things to Angelica, because even though I watched it over a week ago, I don't think I've truly processed it. And I've only had time to watch it that one time. So I have no idea why I waited. It was Definitely satisfying, slightly frustrating for me. I'm guessing that'll change when I watch it a couple more times. Yeah, I think so. And do you do you like his movies generally, Chris? Uh, Chris yeah, Carlin? absolutely. Yeah, but I feel like he's one of the filmmakers out there that are still making these event movies that are smart that are that are like also so they, they envelop you you get so drawn into them in the best way i mean even his worst movies still do that you know what i mean um 
So, you know, I think this is possibly, well, this is probably his third best movie, I'd say, after The Dark Knight and The Prestige. But I don't know. I think this is a fantastic movie. What did what did you think overall? I thought it was great. It, the concept, obviously, was wonderful. It, it, you know, the fact that dreams can be constructed, manipulated, shared. And visual effects were incredible. Um, I love the Cobb Mall story, like as an emotional anchor to the sci-fi side of it. I think that this movie would have left me just frustrated without that. And I think they, 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 it was just the right amount. Um, obviously it gets you thinking the movie I spent an hour just thinking about like my dreams afterwards, trying to figure out if I've ever remembered the beginning of a dream. Mm. I don't think I have me either. I think that's the first time I've ever realized that you don't really remember the beginning of dreams this mention in this movie mm -hmm. it never occurred to me before i thought it was great um i thought the the beginning was a little bit um confusing the first maybe 20 minutes i was a, that's when i got frustrated yeah um, and, and re-watching it for me too i found myself rolling my eyes a bit during the first 20 minutes and then i turned around on it and the more the movie went yeah i feel like it when I think about how I felt the first 20 minutes, I feel like it was complicated just to be complicated. And that didn't, that complexity didn't really add to the film. They could have, I don't know, they could have done it differently. Um, I just ended up with a headache trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, it didn't have to be such a maze in the beginning. That That's my one thing about what didn't work for me. But by the end of the film, I was fine with it. Yeah, because it's a long movie and they you go back and it's sort of it's it, it's interesting of that effect, though, sort of disorienting effect also is kind of like dreams, right? You, your, yeah. your, your brain or the way you perceive what's happening changes as the film goes on, kind of like in a dream where your dream changes in your mind, how you perceive it changes. Um, do you remember dreams typically? I do, actually. Um, I remember dreams. When it's not a work night. I think because I get such little sleep because of my weird schedule, I get up at 2.15 in the morning and I usually get maybe five and a half hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't remember dreams as much, but on weekends, I remember dreams. When I'm on vacation, I remember dreams. Um, and I have, I remember repetitive dreams since I was a little kid, the same dream all the time where mm -hmm. I'm in the same place. And in some situations, it's not a real place. So I, I kind of like that I got to think about all of that because of this film. For sure. I don't really remember like deep sleep dreams. I remember the dreams where you're half awake, half asleep, you know, you're trying to squeeze that extra hour of sleep on a weekend or whatever it is. And you're almost, you can kind of guide your own dream a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. they're, they're, they're so surreal. And so I think this movie really captured some of that where just the rules of real life are bent in your right. mind. You know what I mean? Do you have any recurring dreams? Uh, the only really recurring dreams I have are newsmares as we yes. call them yeah. where people who have worked in news, uh, have these dreams over and over again. Um, and I'm sure it's like any other thing where any other life experience, it's like traumatic or heavy you know heavy duty or whatever it is so in my my news mares i uh it's when other stress stress is going on in my life and i should be clear i haven't worked in news in since 2010 
I don't think these are ever going to go away. That's what I hear from a lot of people. When I'm having stress in my life now, what ends up happening is I have these dreams where I'm producing a show. My show's on right now and none of my scripts are written. And I have to like try to like get through a half an hour of TV. And it doesn't sound like if you haven't done this, it doesn't sound like that bad of a dream, but it's incredibly stressful. It's an it's an absolute nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's a stress dream for sure. So, I mean, you have news. I have the that. same. I have the same one. Only I get to the set and realize there's no content for an hour and I have to ad lib or I have the reporter news mare where I'm 10 minutes out from my live shot and my package and I haven't started working on my story and I'm trying to come up with a plan B, C, D. I have these dreams occasionally now. I used to have them a lot more when the job was more stressful. Mm-hmm. To me, um, I do have I I have a set of recurring anxiety dreams. The the one dream that I had when I was a kid all the time was that my brother and I were in the backseat of a car and we were oftentimes we were in the parking lot of the Little Peach, which was a convenience store in our old neighborhood. And I'm talking before I was 11 years old, so really little. And the car just starts taking off by itself and we're both in the backseat and we have no way to stop the car. And it's terrifying. My brother's like exhilarated, but I'm scared. There's no one in the front. We don't know how to drive. And it has been interpreted for me multiple times about like, you were raised by a single mom. You might not have felt that secure because my life was a little, you know, up and down all the time. And so I had anxiety over who's going to take care of us. Not not to say my mom didn't take care of us, but it was hard. And so it was always like, okay, who's the grown up who's going to be in charge of us? Because we were latchkey kids and we did a lot of stuff by ourselves. I think that's what that dream is about. Mm-hmm. I've had another dream about a cat. That I've had this dream for 30 years at least. A cat latches onto my forearm with the sharpest, sharpest teeth and I cannot let go of this cat. And I have no idea what that dream is about. Interesting. It, it, you had no uh, like bad experiences as a kid or anything? No, no, no. I don't think the cat is a is a cat. I think it's something else, and I can't I can't shake it. Something from my past. I don't know what that is. And then I have the one that everyone has, where you like are yourself in like I'm Angelica, twenty twenty three, forty eight year old, and I am informed that I didn't. Um, take my final or go to all my French classes in high school. So I have to go back to high school and finish. And it's so confusing. And I'm there and I have a locker and I'm like, I'm a middle-aged woman with a job as a news anchor. Why do I have to go back and finish this French class? It's always the same French cr- class in high school. I know people have that that college dream too. So that's just the plot to Billy Madison that you're just really <laughs> Seriously. But I've talked to so many people who have that where they either have to go back to college and finish a class and I'm like, why? I don't, this is so dumb. I have a job. I don't need this. I, That's funny. I've never had that dream. I'm surprised you haven't. Or it's the go back to high school. I've never had the go back to high school naked dream. You know, you're in class and you realize you're naked. That's pretty yeah. common. I, I, you know, honestly, I might've had those dreams. I just don't really remember my dreams unless, like I mentioned, they're those sort of lucid yeah. ones. Well, in, in this film, they talk about... Um, realizing you're in a dream within a dream. And I've had that dream where I'm walking up my childhood street and someone says something and I say, oh, this is a dream. And then it layers into another dream. Mm -hmm. And then I wake up after the second one. I've done that many times. Yeah, I've had that experience also. And that sort of rang true to me as far as the dream within a dream. 
sometimes I, I question the mechanics in this movie of how the, this all happens, you know, like the, the kick where you wake, feel yourself falling and you wake yeah. up and the, the music that you hear and the totem that you spins yes. you know, have your totem. I don't know how I feel about all that. I, I get the, I get the concept, but I also feel like, I don't know. It felt like almost corny is not quite the word, but it felt yeah. like it was something that they put in there to make this easier for us all to understand. Yeah. Which is good. But also, also once you do understand, then it's like, well, you don't, that, then, then those things seem clunky to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. The kick is interesting. The fact that when you die, you wake up is interesting. I had a nightmare maybe 20 years ago that I was driving down the highway and I saw a, like a tanker truck, a fuel tanker truck explode in front of me and I hit it. And I remember actually feeling hot, like I was burning in mm. the dream. And it it was almost like it took too long for me to wake up. And I just, the feeling I felt before I woke up was overwhelming sadness about not seeing people again. Like just so my heart just broke thinking, oh, I'm never going to see Bill again. I'm never going to see my parents again. And then I woke up. And it was so vivid that I remember it very well to this day. And it's what people tell you when they're on your death, their deathbeds. What are you so worried about the most? What are you thinking about the most as you're dying? Like people in hospice, they say, I'm not worried about myself. I'm just worried about you missing me and me leaving you mm -hmm. and you being sad. And that's exactly how I felt in the dream. So the fact that they use the kick is fine because people fall and they wake up from a dream. Like that's like a nap thing, right? You're taking a nap and you wake up when you fall. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they could have made the when you when you die, you wake up thing. That could have they could have gone into that a little bit more. Sure. Make it more like visceral for the person experiencing. Yeah. It. Yeah. And and the the token too, I don't know. I thought that that was they didn't they didn't really that wasn't very effective. Yeah, I mean, it set up the end pretty well. Yeah. It set up the end of the movie where you don't know if he is dreaming or if he is, this is real life, and now he's back to his kids. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is effective to set the other, you know, the ending of the movie up. But, yeah. Because, I mean, there's so many layers to this. I so, know, uh, it's hard to even talk about it. I'm like jumping all over the place. I'm lost in my thoughts just trying to talk about it. Here's what I want to know. So let's start from the beginning when they tell you, okay, you can go into someone else's dreams. They can be constructed and you can go into someone else's dreams. And they've got this like suitcase looking thing with chemicals and they hook you up. How does that work? How do you know that this person's going into this dream or, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. never explain that, do they? Or did I miss that? They, they don't. But do they need to, though? I mean, because ultimately, then how long are you going to take to explain how this works? I know, but I'm just like, what? Okay, so how? And throughout the movie, I, I guess I was trying to figure out whose dream perspective were we in? And mm -hmm. I guess it was Cobb, right? Leo. And, yeah, in the first yeah, layer. Cobb, yeah. And then... Um, there were other points in the other, the second layer, the third layer, and even the fourth layer where I was confused about, okay, whose dream are we in right now? Mm -hmm. Are we looking at this from Leo's perspective and he's in this person's dream? But then I would see, uh, what's his character? Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. He's obviously 
Arthur. trying to deal with yeah the elevator the hotel so that's from his perspective but then a couple times during that layer of the dream i thought wait a minute are we cob looking at this right now i don't know i was lost and, and the whole concept too yeah I, I i i don't have answers for you there but um <laughs> but then like the idea of the architects is bizarre to me because just you maybe it's silly to get laid like buried in the nuts and bolts of how all this works but well that's what they want us to do i think that's true well what exactly is the architect doing and how do they design it are they just simply thinking about things is that really all there is to it i mean how do they design it just the do they draw it and then they know it and then that materialize you know what i'm saying and then like vast worlds were like so that's kind of weird to me too because like i just want to understand better Although ultimately we don't really need to understand. I think it's one of those movies where you can either think about it really deeply and try to understand it, or you can just let it all wash over you and not worry about it and let the spectacle and the emotion grab you and then not think about the details at all. And I don't know if there's any in between. You know what I mean? I I agree. Yeah. And I'm kind of flipping back and forth and then I'm like, stop thinking about it. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. It's a good idea. But then I'm like, okay, so when you're in someone's constructed dream, the tell that you're in the dream and what they don't want to happen is all of these fictional people in the dream that have been constructed staring at you weirdly, right? Mm-hmm. That's a sign you're in someone's dream. Why yeah. can't they control that? Because it's the subconscious, which you don't control. You can't okay. control your own subconscious. Okay. So that's the dreamer waking up. Kind of. Yeah, their mind recognizing that something yeah. is foreign okay. in there. And so the, the person who is constructing the dream, the, the architect cannot control that. So they can't control the people and the feelings which overtake the architecture of the dream. Did you say architect? Yes. I, architecture. Architecture of the dream. Arch- I blame COVID. All right. Cool. Cool. I wasn't sure if that was like, like a Greek thing or an East Coast. No. Thing. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so. Sure. I mean, I don't know if we have these answers, right? I mean, the movie gives you enough to kind of figure it out, but not yeah. enough to really like explain it. And, and partly because too, how do you explain this metaphysical concept? It's impossible. So yeah, no right. answer they give is <laughs> going to be true. accurate or whatever. So yeah, you're um, right. If they went like through the process, well, and then this chemical does this, mm-hmm. and you have to switch this button because this person's invading this person's dream. It's not called invading. I forget what they say in the movie. Invading sounds horrible. Um, then it would be corny. You're right. It would be too obvious. It's like you got to pick which parts you you know you just accept and ignore, yeah. and which parts you analyze. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand. This is a tangent, I guess, but. He is wanted in suspicion for his wife's death, right? But then they flash to his dream of when she killed herself. And I mean, I guess we don't know if it's a dream or if this is an accurate recollection of what happened, but she's on a completely different building than him. So how could he be charged with her death? She's across the street in another building talking to him when she jumps. And she looks pretty far away. And so the hotel room that he's in, she has messed up to make it look like there was a fight and maybe that he pushed her out his window. But wouldn't like a, a, an ME team be able to figure out that like she'd fallen from the building like 40 feet away or however far away it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then why would she set him up to go to jail if he didn't jump? Like, how does that help their kids, even if she believes they're fake? Or she's just off a rocker at this point. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's trying to get him to jump, too. Yeah. 
Maybe she she thought at that very moment when he had to make that crucial decision that he would think, okay, I'm screwed if I don't jump. I guess, but I mean, just think about this logically. So she jumps, he waits, the cops come, the cops say, hey, did this room's messed up. Did you push her out? And he's like, no, she was over there in that window. Go over to that hotel. See if they saw her checking into the hotel. I mean, the room's in somebody's name. Like, there's so many. Yeah. It's such an obvious, weird plot hole. Like, there's so many other ways they could have done that, I guess. That wouldn't take me out of the movie. Because it took me out of the movie to think all this stuff while I'm watching it. It's like this key, pivotal, emotional moment. But all I can think of is there's no way anyone would believe he threw her off this building because she's in the other building. And if she thinks... She still thinks they're in a dream. Yeah. What the hell does she, why, I mean, like, I don't, I don't understand why she would set it up so he would be caught if she were left, he were left behind. If she doesn't believe it's, it's real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It does. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Please, if you're listening, send us messages and explain these things to us if you have it figured out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, as for that ending we were just talking about with the totems and all that. Yeah, I, I read an interesting thing that J- Jonathan Nolan said, and pe- people always want to know, well, is it a dream or is it real life? And he basically said, you know, um, it doesn't matter. Essentially, he is yeah. in his own construction of reality and whether that's real reality or fake yeah. reality. And I think, too, he likes fucking with people. And I think that's part of it, too. That's why yeah. he leaves it on a cliffhanger like that. What do you think? I mean, we don't know, but I think that uh, it started to wobble. So that's the hint to me that he's in real life and it's a happy ending. He got to go home and see his kids. Yeah. And he saw their faces. Now, Michael Caine said he was told by Jonathan Nolan that if Michael Caine is in the scene, then it is a real life scene. And if he's not in the scene, then it's not. And he was in that final scene. So Michael Caine believes it's real. Yeah, I saw I saw that interview and he said he was very con- confused. He didn't understand the script. And that's how Nolan explained it to him. Let me mm-hmm. Keep it simple. Uh, if you're in it, it's real life. If you're not, it's a dream sequence. Um, Mar- Leo DiCaprio told Mark Marin that he doesn't know what happened at the end. He said it depends on the eye of the beholder, I guess. They must be so sick of these questions after sure. whatever, 12, 13 years. But that could be something Leo says because that's the whole, you know, you know, I mean, they don't want us to know. Maybe Michael Caine screwed up. Maybe. I mean, I th- I think it was, I think it was real. I think he made it back. I have another question though. Uh, Sato mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, the very confusing beginning. Why is he old? And Cobb, Leo's character, is not in that conference room. Haven't they both been stuck down there forever? Do you know what I mean? He's like an old man and Leo's like, no, we're going to go back. I don't. Why aren't they the same age? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's that's another thing I don't get. Like the, you know, it's like you're gone. You've gone into like uh other universes and like I the time difference through the dreams and and making it back I I didn't I stopped trying to figure that out and and if they're alive for all these years inside their dreams why are they aging at all like to me yeah. like I don't know about you but I have this like vision of myself that is like kind of 
younger than I am now, you know, like when you, we all sort of like become oh. sentient, real adults yeah. in our mid twenties or whatever. Yeah. And I'm not that person, but I don't think of myself as looking like this and being like this. Oh. You know what I mean? If I accidentally do like a selfie shot on my phone, never fails. I'm always shocked by how old and bad I look. Right. I'm I, like, that's I, not, that's not me in my brain. Yeah, exactly. Like I saw at that tournament I was telling you about, I saw a couple of friends um, I haven't seen in a long time. I DJ their wedding like in 2002 or something like I, I don't see them very often. They live up there. Um, so they came to the tournament because she's a teacher at one of the schools, blah, blah, blah. So I see them. They have their kids. And I just am sitting there looking at them and I'm going, my God, you people look old. Like, how did we get here? And then we take a selfie. Right. And I look at them like, oh, my God, I look like they do. It's true. We're all the same age. We're aging at the same pace, pretty much. Well, some of us more than others, but yeah. Ugh. yeah. So why do they get older? I don't know. I don't know why they get older. Maybe it's because their brain. Well, one does, one doesn't. It's maybe, like, maybe it's because of how you think, you know, if you feel like yeah. you're getting older, you age. And if you are trapped in your, yeah. youth, I mean, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He's, he's trapped in his youth now. I mean, that's why he dates 19 year olds. Seriously. So I saw something else on like a, I, I don't remember where I read it, but it was it, it, it was talking about Leo's wedding ring in the movie. Did you see that? Mm-mm. So there are certain scenes where he wears his wedding ring and certain scenes where he doesn't. Oh. And apparently in the scenes that where he's dreaming, um, he's wearing it. Mm-hmm. And then he's not in real life. And he wasn't wearing his wedding ring at the end. So. Oh, interesting. I'm going to look for that the next time. And that makes sense, too, because in his dreams, he's still yeah. seeing his wife and yeah. in the marriage in a way. And in real life, obviously, he is not. So that makes sense. I, I love that this ends ambiguously, though, and people are just going to talk about it until the end of time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Because Which means it's-, it, it's a great movie. Just the fact that it's it's leaving us feeling like I feel like a complete freaking moron right now after having this discussion with you. Um, I felt dumb 25 minutes ago, but now I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, I really don't understand it. I didn't realize how confused I was until right now. Well, and that's funny because at the beginning of this conversation, I, I, I said something about how I've seen it three times and I understand it. And you're asking these questions. And I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, mean, I feel like I get it more, but I, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Um, how did, Let's talk about the performances a little bit. I thought Leonardo DiCaprio, as is typical for him, was great. Um, yeah. he's just a great actor and he's yep. so interesting to watch on screen. Um, I feel like he really sold the pain he felt over the death of his wife played by Marion Cotillard, um, who was fantastic herself. She's just one of my favorite actors to watch. She's, she's so great. Magnetic yeah. to watch. And, uh, even in bad movies, she's good. Like, uh, that one with Brad Pitt allied not too long ago, which was not very good. She's excellent. Um, Joseph Gordon Levitt is, is fantastic as, as always i mean he didn't have a lot to do i really i mean he was pretty much a straight straight guy he didn't have yeah. a lot of emoting or anything like that but um he's fun to watch this is interesting too because elliot page this was pre-transition one yeah. of his last roles i think presenting as a woman um and like i thought that he played it really well as far as being sort of naive but smart and like being yep. able to like you know, yeah. he's the audience surrogate in a lot of ways because yes. 
that that's right. that allows all that exposition to happen and you believe it. Um, and then you know I just can go down the list here. They're all great. Actually, I think Killian Murphy was really fantastic and probably should have gotten more attention for this role because he had to play so many emotions and he had to play believably play someone who's kind of a dick but also just wants his dad to love him and just go through this emotional roller coaster and i thought he was fantastic um he could have easily ended up a cliche in that role mm -hmm. but his acting is so good and so believable that it was it was perfect and it's well written too, because you know Jonathan Nolan didn't let him, or Christopher Nolan, their brothers, and I keep switching them around. But yeah. Nolan, the the script didn't let him become a cliche either, because I mean we all want our parents' love, yeah. right? And yeah. no matter what kind of tough exterior you're presenting, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know? I thought he was great, and all the supporting characters were excellent too. Like the whole team involved in the dreams, they were perfect. Mm -hmm. The chemistry was great. They did great casting here. Yeah. Tom Hardy. We haven't even discussed. Yeah. Fantastic. And he, yeah. he was one of the few like light parts of the movie, like his, when he would take the form of other people and, yeah. you know, kind of the comic relief, which is funny to think about him. If you've seen his other stuff, how mm -hmm. serious he can be for him to be the comic relief to me is pretty humorous. Um, yeah. He was one of my favorite characters in this movie. I think mm -hmm. when he came in, I expected his character to be a little darker deceitful perhaps and i like how how it turned out this this movie does make me too want to see more revisit more christopher nolan movies because i just realized looking at his filmography i don't even i don't think of him as one of my favorite filmmakers like if you asked me but then i see all the movies he's made and like yep one of my favorite movies yep one of my favorite movies yep one of my favorite movies you know what i mean um i can't wait he's got oppenheimer coming up but i mean i first saw him when um we saw we went and when I was a young man, my uh, now wife and I used to go to the theater like all the time, see movies, dates, mostly because we were living at our parents' house. And we wanted to get out of the house. So we saw Memento in the theater in 2000. And it was it's amazing if you've never seen that one. Um, God, I'm looking at his list. It's just it didn't. I really have not seen a lot of these films. Oh, my God. We, we could have done a whole Christopher Nolan month. You need two ones. There's I mean, yeah, you do. It's an incredible movie. Insomnia is incredible if you've never seen it. Robin Williams. I have not. Al Pacino. Um, it's one of the last great Al Pacino movies, I'd say. Yeah. And it's serious Robin Williams, not, you know, comedic Robin Williams. Uh, Batman Begins is fine. Prestige is amazing. It's one of my favorite movies. Dark Knight is incredible. It's one of like a cinematic experience I will never forget. Like there are a few movies that I remember sitting in the theater and watching and being blown away. And that was one of them. Like we went was out with some friends and I remember we had to go out and drink, go to a bar afterwards to just talk about it for three hours after we saw it. Um, And I can go down the list, but uh, so yeah, it makes me want to go back and see all of his movies. Yeah, I have some work to do. I haven't seen so many of these. Um, what haven't we talked about here? I mean, I do think it's unusual that a movie that has, it, it's interesting to me that you have a movie with a lot of interesting, like psychological and intellectual questions being asked, but it's all tied up in an action film effectively. So that's a fun way for me to think about, or to, to, to present these concepts, because you could do this, you could have a movie about dreams be boring and dry 
or just dreamlike and sort of like wash over you. Yeah. To have a movie that's set in this sort of action world where it really draws you in in that way is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I thought it was great. And I'm um I'm not the biggest sci-fi action person. You know that, although mm-hmm. you're sort of converting me slowly with really good picks. Um, but I thought I thought it was great. I thought that they they balanced the whole the idea of dreams, the idea of manipulating and constructing dreams with the, like I said, the emotional anchor of of his. I felt like I felt like I was in Leo's shoes. I don't know if that's because um, Mal is her name, right? Mm-hmm. Her character was so well done, but I felt very deeply sad about his situation i think they did a really good job like depressed and just i can't imagine how hard it would be to see someone you love like that drift away from you like that and you can see what's happening but they can't yeah i I would imagine like an analog to that might be something like dementia and and exactly and thinking about the choice he had to make because it was a choice do i continue to live in this dream state and be with her I miss her so much and I love her and we can be together for forever. Or do I go back to my children? Mm-hmm. And uh, what a tough choice that is if you're so deeply in love with someone and well, you and know I'm, they need you and they want you. But in, then the question is then with with time, right? So couldn't you be with her for decades like they were in the movie, yeah. but your kids are only missing you for a couple of days? Yeah. How does that work? You know what I mean? Um, and then and then also, you know, you can manipulate your own self in a dream a little bit if you're it's like a lucid dream, right? Yeah. Can't you stop yourself from missing your kids? I don't know. Can't you construct your kids in your yeah. dream? I guess I don't I don't know. Yeah. One thing I'd like to talk about real quickly is the visual effects, which were just phenomenal. And I believe it did win the yeah, it won the um Best Visual Effects Oscar, in addition to Best Sound Mixing, Sound Editing, and Cinematography. It is a gorgeous movie to look at, and I think it's a movie whose special effects are going to hold up over time. I mean, it's already 13 years old, and they still look incredible. Um, The fight scene in the hallway where Joseph Gordon-Levitt was bouncing around with that guy fighting was just incredible. And you could see that it was practical effects so it wasn't cgi they just built a big rig and they were spinning them around and they were fighting like crazy and that's amazing to me when the city's like folding over itself mm-hmm. i actually paused in the middle and looked up what year this came out you said it holds up i thought it was four or five years old in my mind maybe and then i saw 2010 and i was kind of shocked yeah it's amazing i mean how many movies do we see where it's like the movie was cool, but you could just you kind of laugh at the special effects? Yeah. And I don't I don't know if this will. Uh, this is such a standard setter in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you can see where in you know Christopher Nolan's career, how he just builds and builds towards creating these fantastical worlds. Could Because after this movie, he had um, Interstellar, which had a lot of spectacular special effects. I'm pretty mixed on that movie, but um it is amazing to me how good special effects like this can can hold up. I don't know. You know, I was just thinking about that scene where the city's kind of going nuts and all the buildings are, um, you know, folding over and the streets are sideways. 
And I was thinking, okay, that was obviously surreal, clearly a dream. But there were other scenes in the film where you're in the dreams and it wasn't weird enough. Did you ever think that? It was a little too, yeah. My dreams are so bizarre when I can remember them that this just seemed, I don't know, maybe if I watched again, I would notice more things being off. Have you noticed that? No, I I totally agree with you. For example, like the snow raid where it seemed real. I mean, there was nothing weird about it. How many times in your dream do you do things take this bizarre left turn that don't make any actual sense? Mm -hmm. Like you think back later and you're like, what, what was that even about? Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and there was, I agree. There could have been way more of that. Yeah. And and in a way, you know, cause one thing they talk about in the movie is how you don't want your brain. They don't want these people's brain to realize they're in a dream. And so by presenting the world accurately, it's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like we know we're, I don't know. We just accept in dreams, whatever's happening. Exactly. And I almost feel like in a dream like that, I would look around and think this is too normal. Like, Mm -hmm. like that would wake you up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting idea that there just nothing came out of left field in those dream sequences. Exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be like bizarro world, your dreams. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That particular layer, the dream where they're like chasing each other and they're in this big bunker type building didn't seem that that might've been the dream that was the most realistic. Yeah. I mean, the city was pretty realistic too. the, the layer above that when they're getting chased yeah. in the van through the city. That's but, right. Um, you know, talking about the sort of surrealism of dreams. I, I wasn't in love with the elevator concept you know they'd get in the elevator it'd take you these different layers of dreams or levels of your brain or whatever i realize you need a i mean this is a visual medium you need to show something but in your in your dreams you just move from place to place there's no mechanism you don't need an elevator or a car you just are there you know you just magically transport right so i don't know i guess that maybe is like a necessary evil to show going from one place to another yeah i agree i had a dream when i was a kid all the time. And I would wake up crying upset. In the dream, I was in my apartment in the United States and I would walk into the next room and I would be in my cousin's apartment in Athens, Greece. And my cousins, I grew up with my cousins. We were like siblings together every single day, seven days a week, my whole life. And when I turned six, they moved to Greece, all three of them. And they were my age, like cousin my age, one year younger, one year older. And I was, it was like your siblings left. So I would always have this dream that we were together and we were playing and we'd move into the next room and we'd be in Greece and our relatives there. And then I'd wake up crying and never once in my dream did I think I never needed to go into an elevator to move from place to place. It didn't. And so I think they could have done more of that where I mean, we all have these common themes in our dreams, I think, of how we move around. And I just think the elevator was too obvious. You're right. Just sort of too on the nose or whatever. Yeah. But it's hard. You all That's one of those two where you got to get just kind of say, well, I mean. Well, people won't get it. They'd be confused, I guess. It was a seamless transition. People need to see that. Otherwise, they'll be disoriented, even more disoriented than 
you know, but it, I mean, just to me, it's like you open the door thinking again to that elevator scene, right? He goes up the elevator. He goes, there's a beach. His wife and children are there. He sees yeah. the iron grates. Yeah. But to me, that's just like you open the door at your apartment, like you said, and you walk out onto the beach. You just yeah. you don't need this like conveyance to get you there. Yeah, this is very in the weeds for this movie, obviously. But it's just something I was thinking <laughs> about when I was watching it. You know, when I was a yeah. kid, I had this dream where I was like stuck in this room and I was forced to talk to someone at length. It just was hell. We're Nightmare. in your anxiety dream right now. Yeah. In, yeah. I had to extemporaneously speak for 45 minutes. Just so we always say, would you recommend this? Of course I would. I would definitely recommend this, not to my mom or anyone in my family over 70. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but I don't think they'd enjoy it. Um, is it a masterpiece? Some people say, yes, it's a masterpiece. Um in some ways, I, I I would say yes, yes, but I think it's very special. For me, it's not a masterpiece in the list of movies that I would consider masterpieces, but I can see how other people would consider it a masterpiece. Maybe after a couple of viewings, it would move into that category. I do think it's very special. It is a wholly unique movie. I mean, I have never seen a movie like it. I mean, obviously, it has themes or concepts it borrows from other movies, as do all movies. Um, masterpiece is a big word, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I, just I mean, like The Matrix, it did something and it got the conversation going like no other movie had. And yeah. it's definitely up there with The Matrix for me. I mean, it's 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 got to be in the top 10 to 15 films of the last quarter century, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it's like, you know, failure to launch, 51st dates. Overboard. Overboard. Now that's older than 25. But yes, Inception. It's like those are the, those are the, okay. that's the, that's the list. <laughs> Dumb and dumberer is in there. Speaking somewhere. of over 70. So next week we are watching a boomer classic, The Big Chill. Yeah. I've seen this movie multiple times. We used to have a VHS copy in our entertainment center. So it was like one of those, just throw it in. I guess we're watching the big chill again. Yeah. But I'm really, I'm so curious about what you will think of the big chill. Yeah. I've never seen it. I mean, I remember I was probably three or four when it came out and I remember in my parents' house, we had the LP, the soundtrack. It has a very mm -hmm. famous soundtrack. I think it was like a, you know, a top 10 hit. Mm, yeah. It's all like all those old Motown Atlanta records type standards. So that's really what I know about it. Just staring at like sexy Tom Berenger with his mustache and like, you know, Jeff Goldblum looking young and like the terrible haircuts all the women have. I mean, the feather yeah. hair for everybody. Yeah. That's really what I know about. I, I know that Kevin Costner plays the corpse. That's all I know. Yeah, it's a great cast. It's Is a great it a cast. movie. Um, We'll talk about that next week. I don't know. I don't know if I have the answer to that. Okay. Depends. We gotta make a we gotta make a COVID list for you of things to watch. You're gonna be homebound for at least a week, right? I think I don't know. I gotta look at the CDC guidelines now. I think I have to, like five days after the symptoms set in, I'm free to go if I test negative. I don't remember exactly. I yeah, haven't that's had like, COVID. That's I haven't had a week. COVID yeah, exactly. So I probably miss a lot of work. A lot of work. Sorry, colleagues. Yeah, I you know it's. 
there's a certain point in your life where you almost wish you get sick just so you have an excuse to take time off. <laughs> this is so true. I mean, I was in the hospital for three days in January. And by the second day when I just felt okay, I was like, this is kind of a nice break. Right. People are bringing you food, all the jello you can eat. My mom said when she was young and my brother and I were real little, like five and seven years old, she used to just think about, maybe I could find a way to get into the hospital so I could just nap a lot. And I'm like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. Because she was a single mom and she didn't, she couldn't catch a break. I've I've been having uh, like throat pain lately. And I think it's my tonsils. Oh, uh, no. I've been getting like tonsil stones. Do you know what those are? They're disgusting. They're like little the white, white things in the back of your. Yeah. Yeah. And they stink really bad and give you bad. Yeah. breath. I have a kit to get rid of those. You a can kit. buy you can shove something down your throat and wipe them out it's with a light on the back and you just scrape them off the back of your throat. It's absolutely disgusting, but so incredibly satisfying. You're going to have to send me a link to this because you I've I've felt those like something stuck in my throat before. For days and I do that and I do the tongue depressor thing and then you put this like it looks like a dental tool with a light on the end and you just knock it off and take care of it. I'll send you the link. Oh okay. god, this is gross. Well, so no, but I've, I'm getting to a point here at some point. So I've had a sore throat, right? And I'm and I'm starting to think, well, do I need to go get them looked at? Maybe they need to come out, you know, tonsils sometimes do, right? Yeah. And then all I can think about is that old Bill Cosby routine where he talked about getting ice cream at the how excited he was to go to the hospital and eat ice cream. So you eat nothing but ice cream. But then, of course, you're in excruciating pain. But like, I'm like, I could eat some ice cream. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pain meds and ice cream doesn't sound that bad to me. Not too shabby at all. Well, we will. Uh, I hope you don't get too sick. Um, good luck with your Paxlovid quest. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with the big chill. If you're up to it, if you are not, then we'll take another break. Um, and uh, do you want to do in April? We got April coming. You want to do Oregon month? Yeah, let's definitely do that. All right. Love I it. have some great ideas and we have a really special guest for Oregon month that I'm not going to spoil. Um, so, you know, get better. Yeah. Uh, also go to our uh, film swap Facebook page. Tell us what you think. Maybe enlighten us on Inception. Yeah. If you I have any that. extra thoughts. Mm -hmm. Peace out, Nick. Goodbye. Forever. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vole. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there, and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Bowles.